0: we're at the beginning of the year as every single day goes by the tide goes in the tide goes out and it's very very difficult to map out where the future of the country's economy lies there are so many things on the domestic front which could potentially impact where the economy goes and there are I suppose even more influences internationally but because they're international they're they can affect us to a greater and lesser extent. From your take, what do you think are going to be the most significant influences of where we go economically in 2019?
1: I think the outlook going forward it will be informed by what we know has been happening. If you look, for example, into the South African consumer community, Uh, in the last quarter of 2018, you will see that the hike of 25 basis points by the central bank late last year has had a huge impact in their pockets. We saw uh, this week the results of Mr. Price as well as Woolworths, which indicate to us that the demand was very, very low a sign that consumers are having a very tough time. So, given this picture, if you look now forward, we have a lot of interesting developments that will impact on South Africa. If you look globally, the ongoing trade tensions between the United States and China are causing, are causing a lot of havoc in the international arena, impacting both on the trade volumes but also on the currencies of these countries, particularly the U.S. dollar. And, you, and some of our consumers and listeners might have heard that the rent has strengthened by 1.4% because of the dollar weaknesses while still on the trade side i want also to highlight the ongoing tensions between the uk as well as the eu on what has been referred to as the brexit as some of us saw last week that the prime minister lost the vote on the plan that she had negotiated with the eu however she won uh, uh, the, vote, the vote of no confidence which was put by Jeremy Corbyn uh, in the House of Commons was defeated making sure that Ms May can then rally with the opposition to build a new compact to get a deal around that so those forces I think are big risks going forward How, however there are positives internationally one, the oil prices have dropped Secondly, that uh, because South Africa is an export-related economy, therefore the rent uh, strength may not help us that much. However, if we import uh, equipment that we'll use for our growth, we might get benefit given the strength of the rent. So that's the global outlook that I see.
0: Let's pick up on the international things first, Uh, particularly on Brexit. Because, as you said, we don't really know where we're going with this one. And we do have the sort of differences, the benefits, and, of course, the challenges of our currency being stronger or weaker against the pound. Britain is traditionally one of our more important trading partners. If there's a you know, clean Brexit, a lot of the trade deals which are based on EU Uh, statutes will obviously have to be renegotiated but then as you say there is this thing where we'd be able to say that the pound does get weaker and we have seen a general weakening of the pound against the rand the rand has been one of the better performing currencies what is the best case scenario in terms of a rand level i suppose against the pound specifically to sort of optimize you know the economy from that point of view bearing in mind what we get from Britain and what we send to Britain?
1: Uh, Stephen, that's a hard question mm. because uh, we're looking at long term trends.
0: Sure.
1: I think in the short term, you know, anything below 18 to the pound is a very good number. I just want to remind SAFM listeners that, uh, you know, we've been to around 22 to the pound, uh, which in fact meant that. Given how weak we are, we're going to be able to export quite a lot uh, to the UK. But that didn't materialize that much. However, the benefit that we saw from a very weak land that period was a huge influx of British tourists, which was very good for us, Mm. particularly around the whole service sector. Um, And specifically, uh, if you look at hospitality, if you look at the restaurant sector, uh, and broadly uh, in the areas uh, that are rural, you know, I'm talking about areas like Tisikama, talking about areas uh, like in the Shukua, Game Reserve area, benefited immensely from that. So generally, I think South Africans... Seem, seem to be more comfortable with the rent being around the 20 to the pound mark because it's very good for us on all fronts. It's good for us because it gets more competitive uh, in terms of our exports, but also benefit immensely from the tourists from Britain, given our historical links uh, with the British people.
0: That's very, very interesting. So at the moment, our currency is a bit too strong for that. Let's leave that and talk to this these trade tensions on the international level you know particularly you know between trump's america and china because they two you know the two largest significant economies which affect mm-hmm. us now, seen data recently, uh, and I was reading some quite frightening shipping data, which suggests that the Chinese economy is shrinking in a big way. Now, as one of our you know, large raw material export markets, is that problematic, or are our exporters of raw materials finding that places like India are going to be able to pick up the slack in, in that regard?
1: Uh, firstly, I think... Uh, it's very important for us to look at two commodities that have done very, very well going to China. In fact, three, uh, first is coal. Remember, if you look at Exaro, Xaro exports quite a lot to, to the Chinese market. Secondly, uh, if Kumba exports a lot also to the Chinese market, and manganese, too. So, all of those are very, com- are very good commodities for a mineral and energy complex for China. Um, so those two shares, particularly Exaro and Kumba shares, which, show- which indicate to us what's going on in China, although we already know what's going on as you've shared with us, Stephen. Uh, I think, you know, the demand will continue, although the price of iron ore uh, which Kumba exports as well as the coal might stabilise a bit, I think it remains. Uh, I think South Africa will continue benefiting because even the manganese price has been very resilient. So I'm not too worried. I'm worried that the price has come down, but I think uh, if you look going forward even though the Chinese economy might not have that demand because it's rebalancing, it will continue consuming our commodities. In the, in the, the question of, of India is a very interesting question because we are very concerned politically with India because, uh, as, as we've seen it, our partner in Brazil, that the shift towards right-wing governments the Bolsonaro in the case of Brazil, is very worrisome because we think that that may lead to protectionism. If you look at India, Modi regime, which is a Hindi nationalistic party, is impacting negatively on India given its diversity as well with Muslims and Christians and Hindi coexisting and being all Indian. But the, the approach of the Modi government has not been very good for India. So I think that market also may start becoming protectionist going forward. So that's why it makes a lot of sense for South Africa to really work harder to strengthen domestic demand so that if these countries have got problems, as I've highlighted, that the sovereign economy continues to grow given uh, being driven by domestic demand than relying on export where we don't have influence given the difficult geopolitical issues uh, that we've touched on uh, today.
0: Is there a, an opportunity there, Lumkila, in fact, And something that we've been crying out for a long time in that uh, countries that you mentioned, you know, particularly like Brazil and India, which uh, may be large consumers of our raw materials, their protectionism actually might provide an opportunity for us to, you know, find a space to be able to start and improve our beneficiation of our own raw materials and, uh, you know, find a niche for ourselves internationally in, in, you know, adding value to what we already have.
1: I mean, remember that, you know, the biggest challenge for us to go more downstream in terms of, in terms of uh, our production uh, into real real products, um, or what you call fabrication in economics, uh, the biggest risk or the big, the big elephant in the room is escom uh, because uh, going down requires quite a lot of energy and requires a lot of capability and skill. And for you to be successful internationally, you need firstly to be very strong domestically. And in South Africa, around the titanium slag, were extremely competitive. Uh, so it's one of the value chains that you can exploit, given the, the move towards. Lighter cars, lighter planes, but also the drone technology, uh, which which is going to change the transportation, uh, the mode of transportation going forward. So the the, the issue around beneficiation is a real one. However, I think the sooner we restructure ESCOM, we bring competition on the generation side, the more easier for us to develop a downstream industry using our own resources, and pushing ourselves very well for the fourth industrial revolution, particularly around manufacturing, on products of the future, as I said, where we know that the light, heat, and um, heat-resistant um, material are going to be the winners going forward in South Africa as well. with those.
0: We're speaking to Lumkila Monde about the outlook for 2019, and that really is a very important point to bring us back to the domestic matters in terms of the outlook economically for 2019. Look, and the elephant in the room is ESCOM. If you were able to dictate, I mean, what is the solution? Is there a solution to ESCOM?
1: There is an easier
0: solution to ESCOM.
1: Very, very easy. What is it? It requires uh, really political leadership because I think ESCOM will enable us to break what Rastomjie and Fine call the minerals and energy complex, because gone are the days of cheap, of, of cheap electricity. So I think the restructuring of ESCOM, even into two pieces, where ESCOM remains with, uh, with its own power stations and transmission, uh, and then the, the distribution is made. We bring commission on distribution and generation. So asCOM keeps what it has. However, on the generation, we bring in new players into the market, um, and over time, uh, we allow uh, companies as well to to generate, uh, to stimulate also uh, the creation of smart grids that are driven locally through, through uh, renewables. So the formula is there. I think the challenge. Is really a visionary, and somebody who can take us along uh, on a different growth trajectory. And I think politically, it is extremely unpalatable, particularly to the ANC. So I think if we are, if if we are ambitious, we'll be able to restructure this. to be painful. It, will, it will lose some. We'll lose some jobs, but we'll create a lot of new smart jobs going forward. However, as I said to you, that's the biggest constraint for South Africa's economic development, is ESCOM. And it requires us to really restructure and bring competition into it. The state must keep what it has, but let's bring competition um, and allow other players to come in into the generation space.
0: If government can, in the budget which is coming up, and I believe they're waiting on ESCOM, if they can inject money into you know infrastructure spend they will help create employment they will help create demand in the economy that will help create growth that's obviously something we want however yeah. they are going to have to somehow that debt that escom has some ha, somehow has to be spread across The whole fiscus, whether it's government, whether it's ESCOM, somehow that has to be picked up. That has had a huge impact. Unfortunately, we've seen the impact of mismanagement and, as we've had, we call state capture on the economy. I mean, how best then to balance that debt?
1: Unfortunately, uh, ESCOM uh, may not get the necessarily uh, 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 capital that it requires from. Uh, from the domestic capital markets, even international capital markets, because um, it's so highly geared. So what ESCOM requires is, assuming that nothing happens, as is, ESCOM requires a cash injection. So I think many uh, bond or, or capital market players will, will want to see a much stronger balance sheet that has got a huge equity p- bias. In this case, even a 50 50 scenario where the government injects capital to make sure that ESCOM uh, can cover 50% of the debt that it can raise in the market. The catch is, Stephen, given that the state is so stretched, remember the latest figures from the quarterly bulletin uh, of the Reserve Bank uh, released in December is that our debt to GDP ratio. Is hovering around 56% at the moment. Therefore, it means that even though we may be able to stretch it to about 60% uh, or more, it requires a very tight, prudent uh, physical. And monetary position, and I think we've learned that our government is completely unable to do that. So this is the biggest risk that we're facing. That you know, can the government take the pain? Is the Minister of Finance in February going to be bold enough to force structural changes, and therefore be able to make us believe in the future? That the resources that we have will be managed in the interest of South Africa, prudently and to the best of government's ability, not what we've seen the past nine years.
0: Two domestic things I'd like you to finish off with, uh, finally, Lumkile, are the impact of the minimum wage. On one side, people are saying the minimum wage is going to close down a lot of, you know, small businesses, drive them out of, uh, you know, out of, make them uncompetitive and drive them out of business. Other people, of course. And truthfully saying, how can anyone survive on such a small minimum wage? The political noise surrounding the elections and, you know, government policy after that, is that going to have an effect on foreign direct investment? And can we expect optimism uh, on the FDI front as a result of, you know, a successful election with, say, an ANC government reelected with, you know, in- increased majority?
1: Well, in fact, an ANC government elected with an increased majority will be positive for financial markets. Financial markets like certainty. They like the fact that decisions can be made speedily and efficiently. So I think uh, that will will also add to domestic confidence, because we know that uh, that President Ramaphosa... Uh, will be in charge uh, together with the new cabinet that will appoint. So I think once the, uh, investors start investing, the, 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 the foreign direct investors will follow uh, because a signal has been sent. I think the, the really the biggest risk that we're facing, um, that, let me talk about the positives. Uh, but the first positive uh, that, we've, that, 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 that I can see is the fact that, at least on the consumer side, the central bank is very clear that this year, potentially, there will be no uh, increases of the repo rate. So it's going to stay where it is at the moment. So if you are already uh, borrowed, uh, you're not going to be paying more, at least this year, given the outlook which was presented by the governor this week. So that, that, that makes individuals much more uh, comfortable to plan, at least in the short to medium term. Secondly, um, with the falling or the dropping of the oil prices that we have seen and the of the rent is also very positive, meaning that the disposable income for those that are employed will look better. On the minimum wage, the jury is out there about its impact. Whilst the argument about... The low levels of the wages that, uh, that, that raises questions about how can anyone survive on such a low wage may be very uh, politically seductive. However, the reality, economic theory shows us that countries that have chronic unemployment, such as South Africa, they are able, uh, in fact, any minimum wage will discourage. Uh, entrepreneurs from using labor-intensive methods uh, of production. Therefore, it kills jobs. So, the really, this is going to be the first test for us to see whether the introduction of wage this year, in about 2023-24, we be able to look at what's been the impact. However, we know that the argument that minimum, minimum wage destroys jobs holds until we see what happens in, in four or five years' time, we can then do some analysis as what impact it has. But really, I think, if we're to make a judgment at the moment, the scale, given the chronic unemployment, the scale favors those that argue that, uh, that a minimum wage is a job destroyer. Um, until we see what happens, as I said, uh, in five the years, then we can see whether the broad minimum wage side does have a point.
0: Is 2019 going to be better or worse?
1: Far better than what we've seen. So we're expecting our economy to grow around 1.3%, some jobs being created, particularly in the service sector, and really uh, a return to a functioning government uh, who will present a long-term plan that will really rally all South Africans to work together for a better future for all.
0: Many thanks to Lumkile Monde, who's a senior lecturer at the School of Economics and Business Sciences at Vits University.